0: Well, at least the motor didn't cough this time. We can't blame uh, it on the ethanol.
1: The motor was fine, and and uh, you know I just got off the tractor and sort of had to laugh because this clown technician at AgPro out in Decula, thank goodness they fired him or he's gone or whatever. But uh, uh, here we go. <laughs> they uh, he had he had mentioned or or his. Foreman had mentioned that my steering was a little tight, so they were going to clean it all up and get it back working better. So they did, and the the shaft that goes to the steering column on the tractor was laying down on my mowing deck. Now, this clown that took this all apart, he was he. Rea- I told a, I told the manager at dakula Ag Pro. I said, you know. This reminds me of when I was a kid, about, I don't know, six, seven years old, maybe ten years old. No, I wasn't even that old. Uh, And I said, my dad went to our, there used to be clock shops, you know, and and he had a good friend um, uh, that had a jewelry store and and worked on clocks, and dad got a wind-up clock from him that was broken, you know, unserviceable, and... I don't know about you, but I can take apart anything. I took apart this alarm clock, this wind-up
0: clock. Here we go.
1: And, you know, there must have been, back then, there must have been a thousand and two pieces in that sucker <laughs> And by the time I got through with it, there were 1,020 pieces to it, you know.
0: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> 20 were laying next and, uh, to it after yeah, you put it back together. And it
1: came and it came by itself, and it wound up going in the trash in a paper bag. But, oh, you know, it's one of these no. things, you know, when you're a kid, you can take anything apart. But the, the trick of maturity is being able to put it back together. And this clown technician at, at John Deere had taken everything apart. My deck he had taken apart and had put it back together wrong. That was why it had to go back in the second time. Yep. The third time, it was the uh, – they they had – I don't – I'm not even sure, but it, hadn't, it just had no power. So they got to take it back a third time and redo something, which has never been quite clarified to me. And then as I'm driving along and lose steering – I just sort of threw my hands up and and pushed it on up the hill and and got it to my my garage or my storage shed so you know and I and this may sound crazy, but when I was a kid, I had a my my uncle gave me a Wisconsin seven and a half horsepower engine that not seven and a half twelve and a half horsepower engine that had been on on a concrete mixer. And uh, one of the little portable jobbers. And uh, I put that on a soapbox derby.
0: Oh, I'll bet that was fun. No (laughs) brakes.
1: It would go very, very fast. The problem was the stopping. Yes. So my dad took the engine for Christmas. Um, Must have been in about 1957, 58 and my dad was the kind I'm going to buy one of um, um, those cheap damn go karts. You know, those five hundred, six hundred dollars for one of those things—they'll fall apart. So he hired a friend of his, and he built me a car, based I around. remember you told me uh, that. Yeah. Based around this uh, Wisconsin engine. Did
0: you ever find pictures
1: of I have that? Never. I have searched. I've asked my sisters, and I know uh. we took some. We we we've never been a big picture family, you know, and. Uh, yeah. I just uh, – there's some out there somewhere. But anyway, you know, I was – and it's like talking about cars and from my little putt-putt, as we called it. Uh, you know, I, when I got a car, I'd work on it, and I remember the exhaust work. oh, that's talking about a pain, working on exhaust. Uh, but when my tractor broke down, it's it's uh, it's like it feels good to know that you can do something you know you're not just totally yeah. hopeless or helpless and hopeless maybe but helpless um, and and it's like i, I told this clown at uh, that's agpro in the cooler georgia that's a bunch of they used to be green south and they got they put their head in the dirt or something anyway like i told him i said you know you can argue with me or you can think i'm nuts but I've driven this tractor now for, for almost 30 years. You know, it's my little garden tractor, and you get on it, you know it, you hear it, you know. How many times have you been driving down the street and said, I hear something that just just, just ain't quite right, or, you know, there's a yep. feel in the steering wheel that just ain't quite right. That's the way I am with with every piece of equipment. And and it goes back to when, thank God, I my parents let me play with with gasoline and engines and all that, and then uh, <laughs> with cars. But and this is a, this is a, as we've talked a thousand and one times, the major concern that I have in 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 the classic car industry that kids won't know and and you know yeah our, our cars today are all run by chips and dips and sauces and you know whatever else they put in them these days. But still, push it, comes to panic, you need to change a tire, you need to change a tire.
0: Well, it's a lost art. And uh, I remember when manufacturers, and it was uh, the first one that comes to mind was GM, and they used to have these powder puff clinics. And this is, I'm going back late 60s, early 70s, and they would literally bring their female customers in and show them the basic things like how to change a tire, where the Jack is, that type of thing and spend an evening with them. Maybe it's an hour, hour and a half. And I know back recently, I'm going to say late nineties Chrysler did it. And then a bunch of the big dealer groups. Now I don't know if they're still doing it. I know Audi is uh, in a, is kind of a follow up customer appreciation night, the way they present it now, but they show you how to change a tire, how to check things, check engine light. Um, I happened to take my car in for service this week, and I overheard one service advisor talking to another service advisor that this person's check engine light was on in the car. And uh, it was the basic statement yes, I know that. She knows it, but she doesn't want to pay to have it d- fixed, whatever it was. So, a lot of times, check engine light comes on, which is, you know, OBD2 onboard diagnostics, because of the gas cap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny. About once a day, I see somebody going down the road with the gas cap hanging outside yeah. and the <laughs> gas flap door closed. And I will admit one time I was in a hurry and focused on something else and drove away that way. The check engine light didn't come on. I heard the thing banging against the fender <laughs> and did it. So um, I commiserate with you. Back when I was uh, running a service department in a dealership, I had one tech. And whenever I'd come comeback would come back, as we called it, you know, it wasn't quite done right. He would disappear. He didn't want to talk to me. He didn't want to talk to the customer. He uh, he just kind of disappeared. Oh, I was out eating lunch or uh, I was in the restroom or something, and uh, it's it's unfortunate. It's better to fix it the first time.
1: Well, you know, and, uh, there were two things. One is, and, and I guess this is um, intimidation or whatever you want to call it, are or uh, are, are thinking you know more than you do? ask this question. It was like when he put the the deck back together. Well, he put you know I I wasn't aware, but there's a certain order that the the washers have right. to go in. Right. And he just basically well uh, put I, I, them on I, any way he wanted to.
0: I say there's two things there. Either the dealer hired an inexperienced person. Or the service manager did, and they didn't want to train him, which goes back to my premise that you have to have a base. And I'll start talking about it right now. The base is because there's no technical classes in high school anymore. There's no shop. There's nothing like that. So there's places like Universal Technical Institute or Ohio Tech or McPherson College, uh, I mean, they're all over. We've got them here. We've got Southern Tech, where you go in and you you learn the basics, because even though everything seems to be working by computer, gasoline-powered TV sets or whatever, our dear friend, hey, the Braille Cream Kid, speaking to yeah. him, we, maybe we'll hear from him today, but you have to learn the basics about stuff.
1: Well, you know,
0: and then you can go to work in a dealership. And shame on that guy for hiring that young man without giving him the proper training to work.
1: Well, I I, I on feel like equipment. I couldn't have been the only person that he he touched their yeah. their piece of equipment. It had to be others too. And and uh, you know the I don't know how you do when you're taking stuff apart, but I have an assortment of of pill bottles or pill plastic pill things, and uh, a a batch of labels, and also little boxes. Or lunch bags, those little sandwich bags. And, uh, you know, as I take it apart, I put the bolts and nuts and screws or whatever it happens to be, and I label it, because it used to be that I could remember, but now I can't remember near (laughs) as good as... And you get me away from the workbench for a while, and and I sure as hell don't remember. But... You know, but I did that, uh, well, I didn't, I must say, I really didn't do it totally. I would uh, make little piles. You know, when i take the head off that Wisconsin, the four or five bolts that went in, well, they were stacked over here. And, uh, the head then bolts, yeah. And I'd put the, the head next to them, and then I'd, you know, get the new gasket or whatever. And, and uh, whenever I'd, I did a ring job on it and uh, you know so i i was as disorganized as i look i was i was pretty organized even back then it's called methodical oh well maybe i was just a myth <laughs> no meth <laughs> meth oh.
0: methodical
1: <laughs> but anyway
0: um not mythical and, and this
1: guy obviously i've even i've even and this <laughs> my parents love this one I even used to take pictures with my dad's Polaroid as I was doing something. That's smart,
0: you know. But now, guys uh, uh, that do restorations today, the good ones and the good shops, because they've got a bill and show the customer when they're doing a restoration. But they do take pictures and they document everything, and that that's very important. Especially if you're you're paying someone $50, 75 a hundred dollars an hour to restore your vehicle. You, you want that, but you hmm. also want that because if you ever show the car or you want to sell the car, you've got some backup and a basis on the car. So it, it's like we interviewed Pete Jackson that time. I mean, this guy, Pete, had a customer that literally brought him a pallet of <laughs> ferrous oxide dust and particles, and Pete recreated the car, and uh, it's it's a I've seen the the pictures of the car that and it's it's beautiful, but it took I mean a year to do, and I know Pete documented everything, so that's important. You know what we ought to do now is take a break, and got, and then get out of trouble. You got it. We'll be back right after this.
2: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation. Are you into classic cars? Do you own a classic car? If so, you need to know J.C. Taylor Insurance, the absolute best place in the country for classic car insurance. They own classic cars, they support the industry, and have the best prices bar none. Go to JCTaylor.com, get a quote, and tell them you heard about them on Radio Sandy Springs. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
0: And we're back. (laughs) <laughs> we had our little group therapy session on uh, David's yeah, Garden Tractor. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I shouldn't know, chuckle. It's... But it, it, unfortunately, that happens. But today, dealerships cannot let that happen. It's, it's a liability issue more than anything. And you've got to have trained technicians, and the techs have to be trained in the basics. Well, uh,
1: the manager said, well, I don't remember us doing it. It's right there on the bill. I got everything, yeah. he t- you know, where right. he took the steering right. apart, yada, yeah, da, 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 da. Um, and he's sending me, uh, he said, and I looked at the, when he sent me the, the fax, I looked at it and I said, well, you know, what's on it now? I, I, the reason I called was, does it take two nuts on the, on the arm or just one? And he said... You no, know, and I got the picture, and it's a lock nut. And I said, "Well," and and the guy was sort of arguing with me. But the nut that fell down on the on my deck is not a lock nut; it was a nut
0: installed by the nut that installed it. Yes. Yeah. Well, well now was, in
1: twenty nine years, I never had that fall off.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's unfortunate, um, and and that happens today. Still, but the only way you can correct that is you hire competent people yeah. that have been trained. And, I mean, there's, there's so many good technical schools. UTI's got, I mean, they, they do train for most of the major manufacturers now. But you, mean, you go Southern Tech here, Nashville Diesel Institute, they're all over the country. And there are levels of training for certification. And you need to have texts like that, and most dealers will do that. Our esteemed colleague, the Brill Cream Kid, trained those people for years and and did an incredible job with them. As I mentioned to you off the air, we had a kid that came in from Alabama that was barefoot, that couldn't read. And Steve could work with him, but he also had guys that had been servicing vehicles for 25, 30 years that had graduated From a technical school, and that knew and were very competent. And uh, Steve trained them too, and he trained them basically on the nuances of the products of the companies he worked for, whether it be Honda or Hyundai.
1: Well, you know, there's there's a trick to being, in my opinion, I say trick. It's not a trick. It's a, it's a talent. Just like you have a talent to be a designer or anything else. A good tech should be able to look at something and say maybe not unequivocally, but this is the problem that that is off Or This is what I think's making the,
0: yeah, they do. Know. They do. Unfortunately, you got a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're, you're paying for it. And unfortunately the service manager's arguing with you.
1: Yeah. Well, he, he hadn't, I learned a long time ago. You go to the, you go to the boss and then you go to the boss's boss. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm in direct communication with the boss's boss, and I'm going to send him another email and say, "You wouldn't believe this," uh, but we're working it out. I hope. Good. Um, no, I don't. I don't mind. Jump. I paid a lot of money. Oh. For for now, this would be this would be the. Uh, it's not going back at this point, but it could easily be the fourth trip. And that's ludicrous.
0: Yep. Oh, I agree with you. Well, outside of that, Mr. David, yes. this cars. is a great weekend for racing, whether you're a sports car fan or a NASCAR fan or an antique car fan. As sports cars today, you've got the 24 Hours of Le Mans, which starts at 8.30 Eastern Time on Speed TV. And this afternoon, you've got probably, I think, one of the neatest stock car races, and that's at Road America, and it's the Nationwide Series, and that's a road course. And tomorrow, you've got another road course with the Sprint Cup cars out at Sonoma, California, another beautiful racetrack. So you got the most beautiful racetrack in the country, Road America and Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, and one of the most beautiful in Sonoma, California. So between that and then you've got an IRL race in Iowa on a oval track. So you, you can satisfy everybody. And then if you're not satisfied with that and you live somewhere along the Mississippi River, okay. the Hemings Motor News Great Race from St. Paul, Minnesota to Mobile, Alabama is starting today. And it's called Back to the 50s Weekend, and it starts in the St. Paul, Minnesota Fairgrounds this morning at 10 a.m. And they end up next Sunday at the International Speedway in Irvington, Alabama, with a grand finish in downtown Mobile. And those are the guys that run, I mean, they're, they're old cars. We had it here about 10 years ago in Marietta Square. It started the great race.
1: So are you going to any of them or just going to plop in front of The, television? Uh, the
0: landlady's got my schedule uh, pretty well tightened up until about uh, 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. So I'm pretty much, uh, <laughs> I might see a glimpse of a little of something on television, but outside of that till I put her on an airplane tomorrow, I'm pretty well locked in. And then
1: you to, give the Martin Luther King speech?
0: No, then <laughs> no, I go down. Three
1: at last.
0: I, I go downstairs and turn on the big screen. Ah, and get on the couch and watch Take a nap. Watch baseball and Lamar finish. No, Lamar finish will be Sunday morning. But I'll watch the Sonoma race and the IRL race all through my eyelids.
1: Absolutely. As so I, I guess going. that's what
0: you call taking a nap, right? right?
1: I guess. Uh, and, and you get to turn the air down low, real Well, low. it's
0: cool in the basement. I'm, yeah. It's it's good. Yeah, yeah. we keep it pretty cool down there. And I, I guess they call these man caves or whatever, but that's much different uh, name than I call it. I just call it a place to go relax. Yeah. And uh, take some time. The uh, other fun thing that uh, is happening and it's going to happen for a while is in Nashville. And at the uh, first center for visual arts is sensuous steel. Hmm. And that is the art deco auto exhibit. Hmm. And it's put on by Ken Gross, the curator for this. Ken had at the high museum here in Atlanta, a bunch of beautiful sports cars
1: Guess what time it is. Oh, it's time
0: for the garbage truck. It's the Dempsey Dumpster time. <laughs> but he uh, he put that show on down here in Atlanta, and now he's taken Art Deco cars from the 30s. Hmm. And there's Talbot Lagos, Delages, Bugattis. Hmm. He's got uh, one of the Pierce Arrows, that, and in fact it was here in this exhibit. And he's got a, a dubonnet bodied Hispano Suiza. And uh, he's got a Jordan Playboy Roadster, which is very rare, and Frank Lloyd Wright's L29 cord. So, if you're in the Nashville area, there's two reasons why you should go there if you aren't going there, and both of them pertain to cars. One is the Lane Motor Museum, which probably has the most eclectic collection of automobiles around since the uh, Microcar Museum was sold. And the other is the Sensuous Steel, the Art Deco Auto exhibit that's going on. And Nashville's a neat town. They've oh, yeah. got that gorgeous guitar shop that's downtown Nashville. I can't think of the name of it. But I,
1: just, I just like Nashville. I
0: personally. do, too. Yeah, and you don't have to be a country music fan to go there. There's so many other nice things to do there. I happen to be, but I,
1: I, you know, I, just, I just like Nashville.
0: Yeah. I will put a plug in for North Carolina,
1: and we figure it's got to be a relative someplace down the road. But there's a Robert Moxley that uh, is into um, in, uh, that rebuilds uh, cars. He's into the the uh, as as uh, Mr. Ronaldo would say, uh, the classic and uh, not classic cars, but the used cars. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that you and I grew up in, and, yeah. And, uh, what well, are they? And muscle does, cars, muscle cars. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he I'll does t- a heck of a job. He sent some pictures, and uh, oh, he did. Yeah, we we've, we've met on Facebook, as a matter of fact.
0: Well, uh, can we interview him on a show? Is he yeah, restoring them or yeah. collecting? Uh, no,
1: he's just uh, he, that's his business. He restores
0: so, beautiful. Uh, let's let's you know, talk to him. Uh, I'd Love to. Um, a- the other the other thing I'd like to do if I ever get the time to do it is get a hold of John Dodson at. Uh, Universal Technical Institute again, because he oversees the NASCAR training program up in uh, Morrisville, North Carolina with them, and uh, see how he's doing. So, But Robert Moxley, huh?
1: Robert Moxley. You know, when I first saw that, I thought, well...
0: Is that your son?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, wait a second, and then no, now come to find out. Uh, over in North Carolina, and... Uh, into the car business, so beautiful. Uh, yeah, that, you never know.
0: You yeah, never know. well, it, you know that's kind of the fun of things. I um, am having kind of a bit of fun speaking of things. Hemmings Classic Car Magazine. I'm not talking about the big Hemmings uh, magazine that's got all the ads in it and stuff, but they've got two great magazines that I enjoy: their Sports and Exotics, and their Classic Car and uh, They've got a very comprehensive list of what's going on in the way of shows, collector car shows, a lot of AACA information, and others like uh, car clubs, truck clubs, that kind of things. And uh, the fun thing about it is they they talk about the Kaiser-Fraser Group and the Chrysler and DeSoto joint meet and Cadillac convention. and It's just... A lot, And then Mid-America's big Corvette thing. So anybody that, that is into cars and likes cars ought to go pick up a copy of Hemming's Classic Car Magazine. we are got to get you a classic car. You, you know what I'd love? Here. What I'd love, seriously, and and most people would be shocked, but I'd like a late 20-horsepower Rolls Royce. Or a twenty twenty five rolls. I bet you would. Yeah, they're the small ones, though. I mean, they're reasonably priced yet they're still hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand. Well, so. Buy two. Well, I should in case one. You know, I have to have one in the Service. shop. And yeah, but that I've always liked the small horsepower Rolls Royces. But I'm I probably should settle for a Model A and be happy. <laughs> uh, I had one. I had a thirty. And uh, it was a lot of uh, a lot of enjoyment out of that yeah. vehicle and uh, so
1: if you drive up with one today, what would your wife say?
0: Where are uh, you parking
1: that damn thing
0: No uh, um, is the gun safe locked? <laughs> <laughs> or what's the combination of the gun safe? <laughs> oh now you she'd be glad to see it I bet. no, she'd want to know where I got the money. Ah,
1: Well, we'll talk about that on break. We'll be back right after this. Quick States. That's Quick QUIK Stakes are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, QUIK Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now.
2: Are you into classic cars? Do you own a classic car? If so, you need to know J.C. Taylor Insurance, the absolute best place in the country for classic car insurance. They own classic cars, they support the industry, and have the best prices bar none. Go to JCTaylor.com, get a quote, and tell them you heard about them on Radio Sandy Springs. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. You're listening to americaswebradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: And we're back on the classic car show, the Jim Weber classic car show. Well, today, we we it?
0: missed the bro crane kid. Steve's off um, New England brass and gas tour starts, uh, and he went to pick up his model T, nineteen to 10 T roadster with the mother-in-law seat, and uh, he had a day of brass polishing, I'm sure, because it's been sitting in his trailer for a while up in uh, Pennsylvania so he didn't have to haul it back here. And I think that tour it is going to be a lot of fun for him. Of course, he enjoys every tour, and Brenda puts together a beautiful book, tour book, with it. And AACA has got some great tours, uh, and I know Steve's going to go to two or three of them.
1: You know, let me ask, did yeah. you did you used to go on tours?
0: No, I've never had a, a collector car to do it. I've never had the time. Uh most of my stuff has been crewing in race in SCCA or, or IMSA racing, and uh, you
1: know, I, I can see Steve and Brenda enjoying the touring. I, before I leave this uh, world, would probably like to do one tour, you know, as a passenger. Obviously, wouldn't but, that be great? But I, I, don't think I could do it as frequently as they do it. I, I think I, I think one would I'd get my fill pretty quick
0: well there's so many neat tours uh the the folks down in savannah nevi clark puts together so if you ever have an opportunity to go on a tour it's close and they've had a couple of them already over the last four or five years there's another tour down in thomasville but the, the glidden tour moves around the country you know steve mentioned the one he went to in colorado uh, the New England Brass and Gas, there's the New London, the New Brighton, which I think is...
1: Well, they don't go really any place that you can't get in your car and exactly. go either. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, except for the fact that it takes a lot longer from point A to point B in, in a but Model But that's C. the
0: way life was back. That's
1: true. Well, but no, the... life was worse than that. They didn't even have roads. They didn't even have uh, paved it
0: uh, yeah, but I mean, the, it was a slower pace, yeah. and I, I remember stories of people in the winter time, and they needed a car, and they'd have to go out, they'd have to boil water and, and, and put hot water in it, and the old, uh, I'll, I'll go back farther, and I remember taking galvanized garbage can lids, and I don't think you can buy galvanized garbage cans anymore. And I would put charcoal in the bottom and put it underneath the crankcase on a car to start it because the oil was thick and the temperature <laughs> had dropped. And you know, you didn't want to ruin the engine. And a lot of these were in sports cars back then. And other people mm-hmm. heated the oil up and poured it back in. Uh, <sighs> and then it was thermo siphon heaters came along that you put in the in the hose radiator hose and you plugged it in at night. And if you were smart, you'd turn the defroster on on the heater because the water would circulate not only through the block but the heater, so your windshield wouldn't have the frost on it in the morning.
1: My uh, my mother told me the story of my grandfather owned uh, Dr. Pepper plants in New Mexico, and they lived in Lubbock. And so the night before... She and my grandfather and my uncle and my grandmother would go to new to Eunice New Mexico to check or they they'd check on both plants that he owned over there. But the night before they would have the bricks in the fireplace that they had moved to the car the next morning to heat the car up uh, as they were driving the, the cars had, had no heaters. that's correct yeah uh, they had blankets yeah
0: and yeah. and I remember in the fifties my grandparents carried a blanket in the car in the winter time just
1: in case yeah uh,
0: but but they had good heaters back then yeah uh, my grandfather always had nice cars and uh, they you know didn't really need it but I remember blankets in the car
1: oh yeah well this was this would have been in the late uh, well during the depression the late 30s yeah and no, uh, there were
0: no heaters uh, and model Ts that's back when I don't know if they even I imagine they had ethylene glycol, but they still had to heat yeah. the the engine and stuff because when it was below zero, those things didn't want to start.
1: I tell you what, whoever's listening, and uh, if you've got a story, send it to me, David at America's Web Radio, and we'll. Just, I'd I'd love to hear the, those kind of old stories.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, I had a um, three fifty six Porsche early. Not even an A. It was a split window, except it it was a one-piece windshield, but you could tell the body with a two-piece case, which was basically the concept of the Volkswagen engine at at the time. And we were living in the Midwest then. We were just married, and temperature dropped outside, and I'd had it outside on the day before basically working on it. And left it out that night with straight, back then we used 30-weight or 40-weight motor oil. Well, in the morning I knew darn well that thing wouldn't turn over. And I remembered the old trick of the galvanized garbage can with the charcoal. And thank heavens I had that and put it on, put it underneath the car, got it nice and warm, fired right off, warmed it up, drove it around the block a couple times and put it in the garage. Boy, I miss that car. <laughs> yeah, but that was a wonderful car. Um, I tell you, what, I, a
1: friend of mine, real unusual name, Tom Jones, had a uh, uh, 327, 57 Chevy, and uh, it was a 327, but he had it bored and stroked. And uh, he had left his house. It was early one, one winter morning left his house, and uh, somebody at a stoplight sort of looked at him and challenged him a bit.
0: Oh, dear. Here it comes.
1: <laughs> so Tom, and he had a he had four in the floor, Hearst uh, four in the floor. And Tom was a, you know, probably, anyway. He probably had one, a
0: 411 gear in the one, back, too.
1: One, uh, one piston went one way, one went another way. and
0: The motor was still cold, <laughs> uh, huh? Yeah,
1: very Uh-oh. And oh boy, he romped on it, and that so much for that engine. We got to rebuild an engine. Well, but kid, you know, it's it's an experience like that that is good, and kids
0: uh, that, that doesn't happen now. But the cars have changed. They now they, they've changed the clearances on them, and they run five W thirty motor oil. Yeah, because they try and reduce the friction in the engine too. To improve the gas mileage, so there, there's so many tolerances have changed so much on these products. And
1: uh, oh, it changed. You know, in the summer it was 10W20 or 10W30, 10 10 yeah. And uh, in the winter it was, uh, or no, in the winter it was 10W30, and in the summer it was
0: 2050, 20
1: 50 or 2040, uh, something like that. Uh, yeah.
0: We used to run 30 in the winter or 40 in the winter. Or I mean, I stand corrected. 30 in the summer or 40 in the summer. And 10 in the winter. Yeah. And God help you if it temperature spiked at like 75, 80 degrees and you still had that 10-weight oil in the car. So, you know, it's just uh, the whole thing has changed. And I think it's changed for the better. It's changed more for complexity. But... You've got cars today with 500 horsepower. And Not in my driveway. I know, but there are. Yeah, the M-Series BMWs with two turbochargers and, and the new Corvettes uh, that are normally aspirated. And it, it's just the engine management systems in these cars because of the computers and the electronic fuel injection today is so incredible. There'll be a
1: dime a dozen when we get the EMP attack.
0: <laughs> okay, but that's why uh, I'm going back to carburetors on one of them. Oh, you know. Carburetors, a little electric fuel pump that puts out about two pounds. And uh, I'll have an alternator. I don't think I'll have a generator because I like alternators. And uh, they're a whole lot more efficient. And uh, everything's going off of it, the whole thing. Just going back to the basic old when you when now, you when look you, at things, when are you starting
1: this? Uh <laughs>
0: as soon as I can. Um, the plane leaves tomorrow afternoon. So. I know, I know. Well it, it, she's going where the car is, the basic car ah. is. So
1: Does she has she found out about it yet? No.
0: No. That's all right. Um, Your daughter's gonna keep it quiet? I no, it'll be there. That's okay. Uh, the uh, Neat thing about those old cars, I I guess I call them primitive because, you know, the air breather for the crankcase just went right down in the atmosphere, and I I mean it's nasty and it, it, it we shouldn't do that stuff. But cars were like that in the forties and fifties. Didn't know no better. No, no, sometimes you did have the breather hose going into the air filter. Yeah. And I remember that. Yeah, yeah and uh, you change the oil every what was it three thousand miles? I think back then, and still do. Yeah, but you can go five thousand today. Yeah, and, and seventy five hundred, I think, is pushing it. I use th- synthetic. So. Yeah, so you run seventy five hundred. No, that's no, what that's know. what your Hyundai recommends is seventy five hundred. So, well, for oil changes.
1: Oh. I thought it was five. I do five.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do too. Like in 15,000 miles, I've changed the oil at 5, 10, and 15 instead of 7,500 and 15. But oils are so much better today for the engines that are, how do I say, built for today's oils because the problem is there's – Lubrication issues with the older engines because they have taken zinc out of motor oil or reduced it, which causes more wear than on the camshafts and stuff. But they had to because of the catalytic converters. So question, yes, sir. Uh,
1: supposedly, and I, you know, I've had a hard time confirming this, but there's uh, supposedly in Israel they have found some oil reserves that are just totally astronomical, just incredible. After all these years, and and they thought Israel was sitting on nothing, but they found them. And one of them supposedly, and I put in quotation, I've never heard of this, the oil is so pure that it doesn't have to be refined. Have you ever heard of that? No,
0: no, I, I, I I I don't know. I'm not an oil guy. Yeah. I I can't answer that. I I believe that you have to refine because, well, how do I put it? You have to put additives in it today, anti-foaming additives and things (coughs) like that. So it's, it's possible, David, but I don't know if that would be oil that you would lubricate modern-day engine with or not I, I, i'm not sure i never heard of it no i haven't either so i uh if you find out anything more on it and when the Brill cream kid comes back maybe we can talk about it because uh you know he's pretty attuned to that kind of stuff
1: where uh and you you track it a lot more than i do um obviously we've heard the news this week on on uh On the stock market and on uh, precious metals, the prices going down and all this, how are the classic cars doing as far as holding
0: their values? Well, when we come back from break, let's talk about that.
1: We'll do that. We'll be back
0: right after this.
1: The
2: Business Builders Seminar Series presents cutting-edge business services and products in an academic setting to top executives and business owners. Business Builders features a pool of best-practice solution providers to educate, enlighten, and implement solutions. The seminars create more effective and efficient management skills while vastly improving business profitability and success. Business Builders has grown from the initial seminar of about 50 guests to an ongoing program attracting over 100 top executives for each topic. For more information, visit businessbuildersteam.org. Are you into classic cars? Do you own a classic car? If so, you need to know J.C. Taylor Insurance, the absolute best place in the country for classic car insurance. They own classic cars, they support the industry, and have the best prices bar none. Go to JCTaylor.com, get a quote, and tell them you heard about them on Radio Sandy Springs. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Yeah, and we're back on the classic car, and it's uh, it was named that because of uh, Jim Weber being classic, or classy, I'm sorry. No, no. Maybe uh, we should change this to classy car show.
0: I came on board long after you all had named the show.
1: Oh, well, we were looking for class to be added to it, so uh, so
0: you fill the bill, <laughs> oh. as they say. Oh, man. Next thing he's want to do is pay me, folks. <laughs>
1: Okay, so we were talking right before break about uh, uh, auctions, uh, yeah, the price and, and if if cars were holding
0: their value. Uh, I, specific cars, yes, uh, they're escalating. Ferraris, um, a lot of what I would call specialty versions of production cars. Like your Healy that you used to have, well, probably one of the rally versions or the racing versions of that that's got some history and some province. Those are going to bring big money. And Monterey's got five auctions over the week in August when Monterey is going on between the Pebble Beach Concor, the Concorso Italiano, and there's an Automobilia show, and there's the vintage car races going on at Laguna Seca. And you've got five auctions going on. You've got the RM auctions at the Monterey Conference Center, the Mecum auctions at the Hyatt Regency Monterey, Gooding and Company at the Pebble Beach Equestrian Center, and Bonham's. At Quail Lodge, and did I mention Russo and Steel in downtown Monterey? Well, these are the mega buck ones. Um, it's like uh, Gooding and and Company. They've got a lot of vintage race cars and Ferraris and vintage Alfa Romeos. And Bonham has, has got some what I call specialty cars, like like a Lancia Stratos. Mecham's got an Isotta Fraschini and a Delage D8-120 Coupe. RM's got a 500 Mondial Spider and a Birdcage Maserati. Russo and steele has got uh, some interesting cars coming. One of them is one of the Jaguar uh, Group 44 race cars. And uh, all I can say is these are the folks that are either going to call in and make bids over the phone, or you're going to get the folks. This is worldwide. I mean, you you have probably. Well, what's as, their number? I'd like to call them and just chat. Uh, you're going to have to bid. You think, you think <laughs> my thousand
1: will go any place? No, no. That,
0: you know what that is? That gets you a ticket to go to one of these. Ah, oh. well, I was just sitting there
1: wondering, why are we sitting here instead of. I love well, Monterey. I was stationed in Monterey.
0: So. Uh, yeah. Well this was this was this is in August. It starts August uh fourteenth. Well, um Take all of those miles that you've got. You've got uh, my My a kids use so. those. No, I don't. They're gone. My, my yeah. My Hello Dad? Yeah, Dad I need a ticket for this or, or dad, can you get me a hotel room here? Um, all right, we'll just take it out of your left pocket. I know Yeah, you. the left pocket, the 12th and 13th of August, I am tied up at an All-Star baseball game. And this starts on the 14th. And all I can say is I may not even be here that weekend to do the show with you and uh, the brokering kids. So uh, I'd love to go. The admission fee... For the RM auction is $50. Bucks. Uh, you can handle that. Uh, the admission fee at um, Russo and Steel is 20 I can handle that. Yeah. And Meekum it's complimentary. Gooding and Company, it's 40 bucks, And 100 includes a catalog and admission for two people. And the uh, bottoms the Spectator is twenty bucks. The bidder registration is eighty, and the VIP entry is a hundred and fifty for two. The problem is, I'd probably have to duct tape your hands behind your back because you'll go <laughs> wave at somebody and end up Buying. bidding two point nine million dollars on a Ferrari. Head. <laughs> Don't look well, at me. Well, they'd take, they'd
1: take one look at me and start laughing. So <laughs> they'd say, who's that guy?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love it. They'd just yeah.
1: start laughing in my face.
0: I have yeah. one experience at an auction, and uh, it was an auction of a bunch of Porsche stuff in an estate, and I waved at somebody I knew across the room, and I ended up with a pair of Coney shocks. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do with <laughs> You know, I, I, but I bought. I paid for yeah, them.
1: Auctions are are fun. Uh, I, I used to go to them fairly frequently, and uh, uh, they're just fun. Uh, if you got the money and you got some money to waste, they're a lot more fun.
0: Yes,
2: uh, yes.
1: If you're there and you're scared to raise your hand, then then that's. Uh,
0: well, It can be
1: a traumatic experience.
0: But. This the, the auctions, of course, I'm talking about are the cream of the crop. Um, you know, as we mentioned, Steve's favorite auctions. <laughs> B&J. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> the drink tickets you get and stuff. And that that's for the uh, muscle cars and the custom cars and things like that. You
1: know, I, I, obviously,
0: like everybody else, I've watched a few of those. Yeah. I find them basically ridiculous. Yeah. And then Auburn, they don't put that on television, but Auburn, Indiana has a big, or one or two big auctions every year. Um, I like the specialty auctions where, well, for example, if there's a Corvette auction or uh, something like Monterey, I, but, I mean, that stuff's so far out of my price range. The other neat thing... Is to go to some of the things like Hershey in October, and and between the auctions and the flea markets and stuff, and the car. Of course, everybody wants a big buck for them there. But sometimes afterwards, you can buy something that doesn't go. It. One of the I think it's the Discovery Channel has the stuff that shows Wayne Carini and all his stuff in his auctions and his restorations and things and that's kind of fun to watch but uh the neat thing about this hobby is that there's so many different aspects of it and so many different events you can go to whether you're a vintage sports car racer or you want to go on an aaca tour or you want to go you know look at a car uh as my neighbor says that's like watching grass grow when you go to a car <laughs> show and look at them but the point is the good thing is there's so many activities and so many things you can do the sad thing is the young people aren't doing it and it's just like the young people don't go fishing they probably don't go hunting And it's stuff we used to do as kids. That's all going away. They all play with Xboxes and zombies. And, you know, thank God for baseball. We've got big, big baseball activity and lacrosse and soccer and things like that. But not everyone does that.
1: And like you said, a lot of them,
0: uh,
1: I can't sit and watch a, a race Car race of any kind, NASCAR, or anything
0: else. I, I just well, uh, I watch the first ten laps, uh, and then I come back and watch the end. <laughs> and usually in between, it's the eyelids are shut. Yeah. But it, it baseball too. But um, it's still it's still fun to go to one. You don't have to go to everyone, but those two NASCAR races at Road America and Sonoma. I mean, those are sports car tracks. Those are road courses. Those are incredible because I grew up at Road
1: America. Uh, like if I if I were to sit here and say I would like to go do something, uh, I would probably go to a drag race. Yeah, because well, that's I did what that I as a up. kid. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, that would be nostalgia, uh, nostalgic for me. Uh, yeah, I I probably wouldn't recognize anything that they had going on there. I guess they still have the rails, but beyond that. Uh,
0: well, and and some funny cars, but yeah, it's all changed now, well, and it's so fast. Yeah, and and that that technology is just phenomenal, and the amount of horsepower, and I mean, it's just it's oh, it's yeah. amazing.
1: And I might not enjoy that because I, and you know, we didn't when I was doing it or going to them. Um, certainly, no. No computer chips to make it operate oh, no, or anything? Oh, no,
0: Gosh, I, I, I just – I remember one night I was – it was in the Army. when We were in San Antonio on a Saturday night. And we all decided, let's go to the drag strip. And uh, it, it just – I could still remember that. And, of course, I, I went before and after that too. Um, it's just uh, – I. You know, I I know exactly what you mean, but it's so different today.
1: Yeah,
0: it's become a business and not a hobby.
1: Yeah, and an amateur couldn't.
0: No, can't exist today. Yeah, and uh, there are. I'm sure there's some small local strips still left around that you can do that, but uh, probably not like the way it used to be. Um, but kids today. New cars. I mean, you're going to go drag race a Honda Civic? <laughs> you know, we were looking at the big stuff. Oh yeah, with the Hemi's and the and the 409 Chevys and and. Uh, Growing up for me, new was uh, was uh, under five years old. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I I remember uh, motorcycles. Yeah. Guys that bring their street bikes out. I remember a guy with a Norton, and. Uh, his wife raced it because she was probably 7,500 pounds lighter than he was, and she beat <laughs> all the guys on a, on a 750 Commando. So it's uh, it's a neat hobby, and I enjoy it immensely. I have never really focused enough on a lot of it. I try and get into everything, and uh, the nostalgia drags are coming back. I think they run at Half Moon Bay or Bakersfield in California. But then also I want to go to Bakersfield because they've got a 1916 and earlier swap meet every year if you ever want to find a brass car. Well,
1: guess what? With that being said. we run out of time. We've run out of time. It's time to put the plug in the jug and call it quits for another Saturday morning. We appreciate the folks tuning in and listening today. Somebody will be back next week.
0: Well, and I sure as heck hope you get your riding lawnmower straightened out.
1: I do, too. We'll talk about it next week. Stay tuned
0: for more on America's
1: Web Radio.